Shalom, Mishpochah. Welcome back to our Kadima Talk. This is part two of Moshe and the requirement, the sacrifice a leader must give up to go up. Number two, Moses was honest with God. By the time Moshe had a God encounter at this burning bush, there, there, there was no cockiness left in him. These characteristics, these signs of pride of the life he had in Egypt were gone. He knew his weaknesses. It made God angry. But when God told Moses that he could bring the people out of Egypt, the, the, the humbled man said in verse 11 of Exodus 3, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the people out of Egypt? Only as an older man, humble before God, with a broken and contrite heart, could Moses be of any use to God? The Lord can use you. He can use anybody. He used me. But you have to look at yourself honestly and know your weaknesses and humble yourself before God. Proverbs 11, verse 2, first comes pride, then disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Number three, Moses had a desire. He was hungry for God. And what, what does this take? What do we, we say this all the time. You got to be sold out. You got to be hungry for God. What does that mean? Well, it's different for each one of us. Some desire to know God even from childhood. Some, it takes a personal tragedy to realign their lives. Others never turn to God. For Moses, what did it take? Four decades in the wilderness. Verses three and four of Exodus three, Moses said, I'm going to go over and see this amazing sight and find out why that bush isn't being burned up. And when Adonai saw that he'd gone over to see, God called out to him from the middle of the bush, Moshe, Moshe, who answered, Hanani, here I am. Hanani, here I am. This is a complex Hebrew phrase which indicates readiness, alertness, attentiveness, receptivity, responsiveness, and obedience to instruction. He's not just saying, I'm here. He's replying to God, I'm ready. Whatever your will and desire is, I will be obedient. I'm responsive, and I will heed your instructions. Could Moses have given up all hope of doing something worthwhile with his life before God finally spoke to him? Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe so. A person, listen, I've met many older people in their lives that in their 60s and 70s and say, well, my dreams, my passions, what God told me, they've not come to pass. Hey, when this happened, Moses is 80. A person can't be staunchly self-reliant and hungry for God at the same time. Moses had a road to Damascus encounter like Paul did, an awakening that instilled this great desire for the Lord within him. Have you had a road to Damascus encounter? Number four, Moses was broken by God. God doesn't force himself or his will on Moses or any one of us. In fact, in Revelation, it says, Yeshua stands at the door of your heart and he what? He knocks. God waits to let us in. In Exodus 3, verse 4, when Adonai saw that he'd gone over to see, God called out to him from the middle of the bush, Moshe, Moshe, and he answered, Hanani. Once Moses had turned to God willingly, once he made that choice, he could now be broken because he was willing to be obedient. Brokenness involves two things, removing inappropriate pride and self-reliance. That's what builds healthy, God-trust-based reliance. Psalms 34, verse 18, Adonai is near those with broken hearts. He saves those whose spirit is crushed. God got rid of Moses' self-reliance and pride in the desert. But to create trust, he had to break Moshe's fears. Moses dealt with different kinds of fear in his encounter with God. He had fears concerning himself. Moses doubted his own value. In verse 11 of Exodus 3, he said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? But God responded by assuring Moses of his purpose. Fears concerning God, Moses feared who God might be. 
He wanted to know his name and character. In verse 13 of Exodus 3, Moses said to God, look, when I appear before the people of Israel, say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What am I to tell them? God responded overwhelmingly by his presence with Moshe. Moses had fears concerning others. Moses then worried about how God's people would respond and react to him. In Exodus 4, verse 1, Moses replied, but I'm certain they won't believe me and they won't listen to what I say because they'll say, Adonai did not appear to you. Hadn't they already rejected him? Hadn't the people of Israel already rejected God to a certain extent? God responded by demonstrating his power and his commitment. And this is, this is important because Yeshua did the same. He demonstrated the power of God, then gave teachings on who he was in the kingdom of God. This is God's MO. God responded to Moshe by demonstrating his power and his commitment, and he gave that ability to Moshe. Moshe also had fears concerning his ability. He doubted himself in his speech. In verse 10 of Exodus 4, Moses said to Adonai, Oh, Adonai, I'm a terrible speaker. I always have been, and I'm no better now. Even after you've spoken to your servant, my words come slowly. My tongue moves slowly. And he had doubted his ability. In verse 13 of Exodus 4, he said, Please, Lord, send someone else, anyone you want. God responded by providing him with a partner, his brother Aaron, with his willfulness broken, his fears overcome, and his purpose reaffirmed. Moshe finally placed himself in the hands of God, removing all fear. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fear in Hebrew is pachad, whose root word bapach or bachat means trap, snare, or pitfall. So we see immediately that this fear Moshe had and the fear that we tend to get, it's a trap, it's a snare, it's a pitfall of the enemy. Fear is an emotion that can polarize people in congregations or worse yet, it could be severe enough to manifest in the physical realm and cause people to pass out, or in some rare circumstances, it has actually caused heart attacks and death. You could literally be scared to death. Fear has many physical symptoms, rapid heart rate, increased blood pressure, the tightening of the muscles, the dilation of the pupils, even sweating. There are many root causes of fear. Separation fear, fear of rejection, fear for your life, fear of heights, fear of authority, fear of spiders, fear of public speaking, fear of social interaction, fear of intimacy, Fear of failure, fear of needles, fear of spiders, fear of doctors, fear of flying, fear of elevators, fear of bridges, fear of just about anything. I think you get the point here that fear manifests in many areas of our lives just as it did Moshe. Yet fear is a survival mechanism God created within us that allows us to react and survive dangerous situations or threats. Fear is the God-given ability to discern and recognize danger and respond of one of two ways, fight or flight. The physical symptoms of fear is what allows our bodies to respond in the appropriate manner. Fear is a defense mechanism. In the 23rd Psalm, David talked about fear. He said, a Psalm of David in verse 1 of Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
King David knew how to confront and overcome fear. As a young boy, David was left for weeks at a time in the wilderness, tending his father's flock of sheep. Sheep are domesticated and for the most part, defenseless animals. They don't possess claws. They, have, they don't have extensive teeth. They don't have the gift of speed. Sheep are codependent creatures. They rely on the shepherd for green grass, calm waters, and safety. If left of their own will, sheep will stray from the flock and the safety of the shepherd. Sheep are actually stubborn animals that are easily frustrated. They don't particularly care for to be tended by the shepherd until danger arises. Then fear overcomes the stubbornness, at which point they will run to the shepherd for protection. Shepherds guide and they guard. A shepherd is one that supervises in charge of a unit, a group, or an operation. A shepherd tends, feeds, and guards the sheep. A shepherd carries a script, the shepherd's bag made from goatskin to place food and other provisions that it needs. He carries a sling for protection against the attack from wild animals and giants, in David's case. A shepherd's staff for tending the sheep, a rod for correction, and a reed flute for music to make his sheep content. His cloak is used for bedding at night, and the sheep know his voice, and he knows all the sheep by name. In the process of taking care of the sheep, a shepherd acquires shepherd's roads. Shepherd's robes are soiled and smell like sheep. His sandals or shoes are covered with sheep manure. It's the byproduct of being a shepherd. We have to pause here for a minute and remember this. The second 40 years of Moses' life, what was he? He was a shepherd. He was tending, feeding, and guarding, protecting those sheep. He had all these things we just talked about. He was soiled and in the field all the time with his sheep. The thread that ties this all together isn't fearlessness. David or Moshe, they weren't fearless, but they had the courage, which is the ability to channel and control fear. And why did they have this gift? Because they know who the God was that they served. The God is greater than everything and anything in and of this world. In the 23rd Psalm, David didn't say, I'm without fear, I'm fearless. He said, I shall fear no evil. Why? For you, God, his presence, his manifest presence is with him. Your rod and your staff, they comforted me. It's how David was trained in the field. It was just him and God. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 and 35, David answered, Saul, your servant used to guard his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear would come and grab a lamb from the flock, I would go after it, hit it, and snatch the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned on me, I would catch it by the jaw, smack it, and kill it. David's trust, his faith was greater than his fear which was and is the foundation of courage. Psalms 27, verses one through three by David, Adonai is my light and my salvation. Whom do I need to fear? Adonai is a stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers assailed me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamped against me, my heart will not fear. If war breaks out against me, even then I will keep trusting. Psalms 91 probably written by David as well, speaks directly to how fear is conquered through Adonai. It's a psalm that I recommended everyone read every day over themselves, their homes, their property, their families at the beginning of the COVID outbreak because it perfectly speaks against the spirit of fear. Psalms 91, you who live in the shelter of Elion, who spend your nights in the shadow of Shaddai, who say to Adonai, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he will rescue you from the trap of the hunter from the plague of calamities. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His truth is a shield and protection. You will not fear the terrors of night or the arrow that flies by day or the plagues that roam in the dark or the scourge that wreaks havoc at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Only keep your eyes open and you will see how the wicked are punished 
for you have made Adonai the Most High, who is my refuge, your dwelling place. No disaster will happen to you. No calamity will come near your tent, for he will order his angels to care for you and guard you wherever you go. They will carry you in their hands so that you won't trip on a stone. You will tread down lions and snakes, young lions and serpents. You will trample underfoot. Because he loves me, I will rescue him. Because he knows my name, I will protect him. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him when he is in trouble. I will extricate him and bring him honor. I will satisfy him with long life and show him my salvation. And the key of this is verse nine. Who is my refuge, my dwelling place? Basetar, this is the secret place. Moses knew this secret place. He had a God encounter at Mount Sinai. David knew this secret place. He had a God encounter. Shaul Paul, he knew this secret place. He had a road to Damascus encounter. God will cover you under his wings of protection, but it requires obedience and sacrifice to his truth and his word. With Adam and I on your side, you have nothing to fear. Love and trust trumps fear. This is a critical factor that we must employ in order to fulfill our destiny in the kingdom of God. Fear is a tool used by the enemy to prevent individuals, groups, or even nations from doing God's divine will. Fear drains the life from boldness. Fear equals inactivity. Fear will cause you to be defensive, vice-offensive. Look how fear inhibits a powerful testimony of Yeshua's healing powers and a move of God, which he proved that he's the Mashiach. When he healed the blind man, we go to John 9, verses 21 and 22. It says, but how is it that he can see now? We don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. They were asking his parents, and, and, and they're saying, we don't know. He was born blind, now he can see. We don't know, or do we know who opened his eyes? Ask him, he's old enough, he can speak for himself. Verse 22, the parents said this because they were afraid of the Judeans, for the Judeans had already agreed that anyone who acknowledged Yeshua as the Messiah would be banned from the synagogue. This healing testimony could have been a defining moment for the salvation of the Sanhedrin, but fear kept them from being bold for God. Fear keeps your mouth shut when an opportunity arises to share about Yeshua or pray for someone. Fear keeps the body in submission and not holding services in this COVID pandemic. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love. Life is filled with trade-offs, but you can trade up only if you have something to sacrifice. Moses had to sacrifice his status in Egypt his wealthy lifestyle, his material possessions to get prepared for his life of purpose. And then to fulfill it, he had to sacrifice again. The second time he relinquished the security and the safety of obscurity in the desert to return to the place where he was raised, his boyhood home. And the most important part of this is this leadership of Moshe is modeled. In Exodus 33, verses eight through 11, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moshe. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood, worshiped each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moshe face to face, verse 11, as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moshe would return to the camp, but his young aide, Yehoshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Modeling is the fundamental building block of all true leadership. Leaders set the example for their followers in what they do and how they lead their lives. Moshe led a life of great sacrifice and humility, and he modeled this for everyone to see. 
the number one management principle in the world is people do what people see. Moses demonstrated this principle in Exodus 33. The people, the men, they watched him as he spent time with God, as he went into the Oel Moed, the tent, the Mishkan, and interceded for them through an intimate, personal relationship and communication with God. It changed the people more than any sermon could have. Remember, you may be the only Bible people see. It's not about droshes and sermons. It's about your life. It's about what you're modeling to others. What would I say to this? Read verses 9 and 10 of Exodus 33. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moshe. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to his tent. To have a Moshe-like relationship with God, to have this sacrificial communication and calling upon your life, we must practice what Moses did. And I shared this at the beginning, and I'm gonna add a few more here, and this will bring this Kadima podcast to an end with these five points. Again, you have to separate yourself on a regular basis. All the greats separated themselves from others to seek and hear the voice of Adonai. Abraham, Moshe, David, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, Yeshua himself spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness. If you don't have a daily routine of intimate, personal, alone time with God, you're already behind the power curve. No matter if you're in ministry, leading a business or an organization, you must have mono mono time with Adonai. Number two, you've got to seek God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Moshe spoke to God face-to-face as a friend. What a profound statement in verse 10. As a friend, God spoke to him. Moses sought God. He desired God. He had a zeal for God. He climbed the mountain to see the burning bush. He gave up and sacrificed everything to serve God. Remember, he had a comfortable, prosperous, wealthy life. He sacrificed it all. He had another life of of security and safety. He sacrificed it all to serve and minister to God. Number three, risk being watched and scrutinized. Verse eight, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the O.L. Moed, the tent. Again, you may be the only kingdom example people see. What are your actions telling people? Your actions speak louder than your words. It's not what you say you are. It's what you do that defines who you are. Number four, we have to learn to listen to Shema and obey God's voice. Deuteronomy 13, verse four, you are to follow Adonai, your God, fear him, obey his mitzvahs, listen to what he says, serve him, and cling to him. This is one of the hardest things to accomplish in your lives. Even I myself, I'm not 100% there yet, but I'm getting better. Cling to him is actually a intimate sexual term between a man and a wife. It, this invokes an extreme, deep intimacy with him, to be one with him, that your heart beats after his heart, that you cry over what he cries over. Your desire and will is his desire and will. We must shma, we must listen and obey God's voice. And lastly, we have to enter into a covenant relationship with him. Covenant sets the framework. It's a contract between two parties, each party being required to uphold their part of the agreement. God's word is his covenant. He will never fail you or leave you. 
but we must be prepared to sacrifice all for our part of the covenant. Mishpocha, I pray that the Lord will move mightily in your life, that you would have a burning bush encounter with God, that you would have a road to Damascus encounter with God, and that you would be willing to sacrifice all that you may be able to serve and minister to him, that you could draw into that secret place with him and be one with him, that he will raise you up to the destiny that he has for you in his kingdom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.